bitch, please. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 12 of Bitch, Please. Episode 12. We have a really fun guest for you guys this week. Her name is Ginny Hogan. She's um, a really funny stand-up comedian. She's very active on Twitter. And she's um, a writer and contributor to The New Yorker and McSweeney's. And she runs a website called Little Old Lady Comedy. So we had a pretty uh, candid discussion with her. Yeah, we talked about a lot of things. She's a writer. She's a stand-up. So we were talking a little bit about her process, about, you know, she's really open about depression. She even gets into some uh, interesting sex stuff that she recently tried uh, that is definitely R-rated. So if you are under the age of 18, I guess, definitely don't listen. Yeah, or just put earmuffs on. Um, no, it was great. I, you know, she started following me on Twitter um, a couple months ago, so I followed her back, and then she since told me that, that was just her technique. I thought she was following me because she thought I was funny, but really it was so she could acquire more followers. It's a good technique. I need to do that, but I just, like, am too lazy. I just feel like I hate the way it looks when I'm following so many people, but I'm learning that you kind of just have to, like, Give up your pride and just follow people. Yeah, it's the way to get followers for sure. It's annoying though. I'm just over the whole social media thing. I mean, she's it's very much like a full, like not a full-time job, but she said that she follows people and then if they don't follow her back within a few days and she like goes and looks and unfollows them. And it's just like a lot, but that's how people do it. Yeah, liking and following. Yeah, I've been going on bitch please pod Instagram and liking a bunch of things and we've gotten some more followers because of that. But then I realized that I like some weird posts, like strange anime, like Japanese porn. And I was like, well, this looks weird for anyone who's really looking to see who we like. But anyhow, we hope you like this episode. Today we have a very funny writer and stand-up comedian, Ginny Hogan. She's been, she's a contributing writer at The New Yorker, Cosmo, McSweeney's, and has a book coming out, correct? Yep. Yeah. When's that planned for? Coming out in August. So kind of a ways away, but I'm excited. So it's called Toxic Femininity in the Workplace. So I found Ginny on Twitter. I believe you may have followed me. Yeah. And then I followed you back and I was like, she's funny. She's very honest. And that's the kind of person we want on our podcast. So yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. So let's just jump into how the hell you got a book deal. Because <laughs> you're, how old are you? I'm 27. Okay. Um, I wrote an article that was called toxic, it was called examples of toxic femininity, femininity in the workplace. And it kind of like, I used to work in tech and it sort of made fun of like, whatever people say is like so toxic about masculinity, like, and then sort of did the reverse of that. And then the joke was that like, you know, everyone was like really polite to each other and like no one sexually harassed each other. But then because of that, like the company went under or something like that kind of was like, the recurring joke and so then I someone reached out to me about sort of writing a book that was kind of like humor pieces about gender politics in the workplace mm-hmm. um, and so that's where the book came from but the book is like it's not the book ha- contains that article but then it's just a whole bunch of other um, pieces that are sort of about like women in the workplace and that kind of thing um, and it like very much draw- I worked in tech which and it was like all wow. men and it like draws heavily on that what was your position like were you working at a google kind of thing or I, I worked at facebook briefly okay and then I worked at like two smaller uh tech startups one of them was a mortgage company and one was um a, a mayonnaise company actually mayonnaise and so when did you kind of make the jump to comedy and writing 
I started doing stand-up when I was... Uh, I lived in San Francisco for a while, and I was working in mortgages, and then I started doing stand-up because I was, like, very bored at work, and uh, I just got, like, really addicted to it and kind of um, stopped... I guess I stopped working in tech, like, a year later, but I feel like I um, sort of lost interest in tech maybe, like, five months after I'd started doing stand-up. So what's, like, one of the worst stories you have of being like in a very like male infiltrated tech culture yeah i guess i had this one coworker. he was so bad well the boss was really like way too lenient and kind of um never got mad at him because he was like a good programmer but he like for one thing he was like horrifically lazy and like often wouldn't show up for work one time he showed up and had forgotten his laptop at home and then, like, left for the day. Like, he was just like, I can't do any work today. But he, um, he would, like, yell, you know, he, like, yelled that someone could shove it one time, like, this woman, like, he, like, because she was upset with his dashboard, like, he, um, would, like, call people pussies, like, it was, like, really outlandish. And then eventually, he, after the boss who, like, kind of let everything slide go, he left, that boss left, and then the new boss came in, and, and Alex, this guy got fired, like, maybe, like, two weeks later, but I think the incident that, um, really, like, set him over the edge is that he, like, threw a chair, like, it was, like, 7 p.m., and he was just, like, really frustrated with, like, a request he had gotten, and so he, like, threw a chair sort of into the middle of the room, and it's, like, an open office plan. Yeah, but that was, like, so insane, because everyone knew he was, like, terrible, but then, like, no one was ever looking into it, and then I eventually, like, I think his, like, last day, the HR director interviewed each of us, like, individually about it to see if we had any, like, incidents, mm-hmm. and I had to, like, tell him that Alex would, like, scream pussy, but I didn't want to <laughs> say it. Like, <laughs> so I was like, he says, like, inappropriate words, and the guy was like, what words? And I was like, you know, like, I, you know, like, I don't want to say it. And he was like, can you spell it? And I was like, I definitely don't want to write it. And then I kind of, like, made him guess, and he was like, okay, I get it. I get oh, my idea. God. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love the idea of, like, you make him guess, and then, like, everything he guesses is, like, so much worse than, like, the word that you were planning yeah. on. It's, like, I mean, a great sketch. Thing. Yeah, I know. I just, I mean, like, I say pussy all the time, but, like, it was, like, in, at work with the HR director. I was, like, I don't know if I want HR people are incredibly formal, so it's almost awkward, but I'd yeah. also like to see the reaction if you just said pussy to their face. Yeah, exactly. You know, they'd probably, yeah, be, like, like, wince yeah. a little bit. Yeah. They're a little robotic. Yeah. So you were in California, and then you moved to New York. And now you're going to move back to L.A. So you're doing the shuffle. Yeah, I'm doing the shuffle. Yeah, I am I'm, uh, grew up in New York okay. um, in this house that we're in. And um, I uh, moved back here mostly really to live here because my parents are, like, mostly in London. So it was just, like, very convenient. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, I have been doing a lot of stand-up, but I kind of want to get into, like, TV writing. So I'm trying to move back to L.A. Or move back to California. I've never lived in L.A. Before. Well, that's where I am, so if you have any questions. Yeah, for sure. You live in Silver Lake? Yeah, I'm in Los Feliz. Oh, in Los Feliz. Cool. How do you like it? I really like it. Yeah, I have to move in a few weeks, uh, which I'm dreading. Where are you going? Um, I'm not sure. My roommate's moving back to New York, so I just have to find a new place. But yeah, it's definitely nice on this side of town. So taking the sort of jump to doing comedy full-time, knowing that, like, you're not really going to be making a paycheck at first and all of those things, like, did any of that scare you? Yeah. Yeah, it really scared me. I, uh, I, because I had been working, like, steadily since college, um, and I just, like, had, I really had no idea of how long, like, comedy took. I think when I started comedy, I thought it'd be, like, much faster. Um, right. but I, uh, yeah, I kind of, I mean, I had, like, saved money from working in tech, and then I wanted to, um, I was planning to, like, not work at all for a little while, but mm-hmm. that sort of, like, I was a little too restless doing that. Um, yeah. so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have realized, like, there are many, like, 
I guess I had just, I feel like coming out of college, I assumed everyone, like, went into the workforce and worked, like, a nine-to-five or whatever, but I've met, like, so many people who don't do that that it has just felt, like, a lot more feasible kind of to be, like, working part-time or to kind of go in between projects and everything. Totally. Um, yeah, so that's sort of, like, what I've been doing since then, but it's it's still very scary. I mean, like, I, I want to be a TV writer, but I don't know if or when that'll happen, so it's, like... Still, I, I feel like every, like, month I have to figure out, like, a new thing to do. Yeah. Because I do, like, a lot of freelance work. Right. Yeah. Um, so do you do stand-up every night? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Are you, are you a stand-up? Have you done it? I've done it a few times, yeah, but haven't fully committed. Yeah. And I don't think Hannah's done it. I really want to be a stand-up, but I fall asleep at, like, 9 o'clock. So it just doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work so well. I always say if there was, like, brunch stand-up, I would kill. Like, morning stand-up, I'm there. But at night, I'm not. But I've always... I took a stand-up class once, and no one thought I was funny, so I quit. And that's kind of been the extent of it. (laughs) I'm like, they clearly have no sense of humor. Like, I don't trust their opinions. Terrible taste. (laughs) Right, so I Um, quit. (laughs) So are you doing open mics, or are you getting booked? A little of both. Uh, more open mics, but I get booked probably, like, I, I do maybe, like, two or three open mics a night, and then I do maybe, like, four or five shows a week. Okay. So it's, like, increasing from when I first moved here when it was just open mics. Um, right. But, yeah, when I first moved, I was doing, like, seven open mics a day. It was, like, pretty uh, horrible. Wow. They That's started really early. They started, like, three. Like, you can yeah. I wasn't working, so, yeah, but now I only do, like, two or three. And then from doing the stand-ups, you were just noticed? From doing the open mics, you were noticed by someone who was, like, okay, do, I'll give you this five-minute spot? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, a lot of the shows I do are people who also go to open mics, so it's like they're like bar shows that are produced by someone who's right. doing open mics. I don't really do any clubs. I've done a few of them, but like, I'm not like a regular in any clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do like a lot of bar shows. That can be very fun. For a lot of the stuff you write, because I was reading a bunch of, I guess they're not called articles, but like pieces, comedy pieces, do you write them and then just kind of email them, or do you like pitch the like, idea first to these places? I usually email the whole article. Like, the places that I pitch regularly, they want you to email the whole article, like the New Yorker and McSweeney's. Um, and then if I can, like, find someone who writes for, like, who is an editor of a publication I've never been in before, sometimes I'll send them just, like, ideas because it's faster for them. Um, but usually it's the whole article. And I'll usually, like, I just kind of keep a list of ideas. And um, anytime I'm, like, out of articles, I go back to the list to try to, like, flesh out a new one. So seeing as though I found you on Twitter, and Twitter is like a very toxic, but also very cool place, depending on who you're talking to and who you're connecting with. And also coming, because you seem to come from a more dry background in terms of like the work that you were doing before comedy, was that a transition for you to be like, all right, mom, dad, everyone, I'm going to be talking about antidepressants and being single and whatever. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I love about Twitter is I don't think anyone in my family follows me on it. I don't think any of them have Twitter. Because, like, before that, and when I had fewer Twitter followers, I would also post the jokes to Facebook, and there it would be like, I feel a little weird posting this, like, blowjob joke when my dad's going to see it. I mean, I I still did it, but, like, I felt weird about it. But Twitter, it's like, I really feel like, I, I, I feel like the people I know in real life make up, like, a small percentage of the people who would see my stuff on Twitter, so it feels, like, totally free. Um, and I post, it's like, and I think I've gotten to the point, especially with like prescription drugs, where I post so much about them that like <laughs> everyone knows I'm on them or like have been on them or think about them. You know what I mean? Like there's no point in like hiding that at this point. Like there's no point in hiding like 
weird sex things. I feel like I tweeted, like, I pegged and I tweeted about it. Wait, like, what's pegging again? Pegging is when you take a dildo and you strap it on and then you, like, in, go into a man's butthole. How was that? Kind of boring, honestly. <laughs> yeah, but I thought it was going to feel very powerful, but it did not. Interesting. That's very... I was once, like, seeing someone who wanted to do that, but I broke up with him before we got to that point. But... Listen, I I'm very curious about that for sure. Do you do you regret not not getting that in before first? Honestly, he was so awful of a person that I just couldn't see him any longer. Um, yeah. yeah, like he would he was constantly asking me to have anal sex, like during sex, like that's the only words that would come out of his mouth. And then at one point I was like, I will tell you when I want to do that. Like, stop asking. And he told me it was a really aggressive thing to say. To ask him, yeah, he called me aggressive for asking him to stop asking to have anal sex. Um, so he was just like an overall catch. He was just like a catch. A great, <laughs> a great guy. Um, wait, so have you always been, because I'm also very much on the prescription um, drugs. Like, I saw your tweet today that was about the like Zoloft or whatever. And I feel the exact same way. Like, I, you know, I feel like I don't know much, but I know about antidepressants. Um, have you always dealt with that? Depression and anxiety and that stuff? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I started on Zoloft when I was, like, 16. Um, and I can't remember why I started. Oh, I well, I went to therapy because I had an eating disorder. But then the therapist was like, I think you should take antidepressants. Um, mm-hmm. But And then I kind of was off them for a few years. And then I found Adderall, which just, like... Mm-hmm. I feel like it, like, saved and ruined my life. I mean, Definitely. I don't take it anymore. And, like, it definitely, like, I feel like I got so much done that I never <laughs> gotten done. That I'm, like, still grateful <laughs> I got done. But um, definitely, like, at some point I was, like, I got this, this, like, I don't know. Are you guys Adderall fans? I have dipped into Adderall and had phases. But, like, it ultimately strips away my personality for the most part. and But makes me pretty effective. That's- I'm on some right now. I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. Yeah, I took I take a very small amount, and like I'm prescribed it. I'm not like stealing the Adderall, but um, it definitely makes me feel good. Yeah, that's great. I take it now. I take it like every two weeks, and it's amazing because it's like I yeah. just like get everything I need done for the next like five days. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, I take it very sporadically. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, what I think I was taking a shit ton the year that I worked in tech and did stand up. I was doing like so much Adderall that I really thought I was like going to die so that's like part of why I quit Mm. yeah that makes sense yeah and I've taken Trazodone for sleeping but I'm not on that anymore because I started taking CBD oil oh yeah do you like it um I think it works which is like outrageous I like never believed it would work I'm a big fan of CBD it's a game changer for me it definitely does something I feel like it's a little it's more subtle it's subtle yeah but um yeah I also what was I thinking? Oh, a psychiatrist gave me trazodone. That shit knocks you out. It really does, it's yeah. very like the old school sleeping pill. Yeah. Um. So I didn't like that. So now I take Xanax to sleep usually if I yeah. can't go to bed. Yeah. Wait, can we go back to pegging for a minute? Because, yeah. <laughs> like, the whole like this homoerotic fantasy of a man, even though they're not gay, or maybe like what was his deal, or like he yeah. just. Well, he, I will say I suggested it, and he, like, was kind of into the idea, and then, but he, like, he's, okay, so he's not, like, awesome, like, I mean, he's, like, cool, he's, like, a friend of mine, but, like, I would say he's not, like, the wokest, and, like, 
Um, it also kind of what you were saying about, like, the guy you, um, hated. Like, I almost felt like if I was, like, a little bit mad at him all the time, so it was, like, nice to get to just, like, insert myself into him. Um, but, uh, he, like, definitely was, like, does this mean I'm gay? And I was, like, shh, like, don't worry about it. Like, just, like, in, even if it does, it doesn't matter, whatever. Um, but, because uh, I just, like, really wanted to do it. But, um, yeah, he, he was really into it. And, like, I, I kind of brought it up as, like, a joke, but then he was, like, oh, my God, I really want to do it. Or he was, like, yeah, let's do it. And then, like, he, yeah, we, I feel like we also did, like, a week of, like, dirty texting, like, about it, and he was, like, very into it. And then, yeah. And I have to be honest, we, um, we kind of broke up, like, the day after, but, Mm -hmm. uh, for different reasons. Yeah, like, I have very, we've actually talked about not pegging, but, you know, men who like things up their butt. And to me, that has nothing to do with being gay. Like, what gender you're attracted to has nothing to do with, like, the fact that you have nerve endings at the end of your butt and that feels good. Like, to me, they're totally separate things. There are some guys who would not be into that even though they know it would feel good. And then there are other guys who are, I guess you can call it open-minded or just super hedonistic and, like, want to feel the best that they could feel. Like, had he ever had anything up his butt before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he okay. he told me he used to only be able to come with a finger up his butt. Because to me, putting a full, like, dildo up there, like... I feel like you have to work up to that. Otherwise, it hurt. Yeah, we did, like, a finger and then, like, a butt plug and then... Oh, I was going to be like, did you go to, like, a carrot and then, like, a yeah, cucumber? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was, like, a yeah, vegetable. Yeah, the whole salad, right? <laughs> it's, like, work up to it. Yeah, we did. Um, although, he liked the, the dildo a lot more than the butt plug. Hmm. I'm really fascinated by all this stuff. So, you grew up in New York, and then did you go to college on the East Coast or the West Coast? West Coast. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So that's kind of how you got to San Francisco. Yeah, and then I stayed in San Francisco for a few years. Did you like, do you like San Francisco? Yeah, I do. I like it a lot. Um, I I left because I wanted to do comedy, and mm-hmm. the scene there was great, but it's, like, small, and there's not a lot of industry. But it's a really pretty city. Have you been? Yeah, I've been. I just didn't know, like, in terms of just, like, the culture of living, like, I haven't lived yeah. there. It's very techy. Yeah. Like, but, I mean, that's the thing. That's, like, the negative part. It's, like, all tech people, and then... There's, like, so much, like, you know, enormous income inequality because they have, like, a huge homelessness problem. While yeah, I heard it's really like, intense. Yeah, and also having, like, a million, like, tech billionaires. So that part sucks, but, like, the city itself is so pretty, and, like, I feel like it, the hills and everything make it so beautiful. I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I'm a comedy writer. I write, um, like, screenplays and stuff, but lately I've been dealing with a lot of self-doubt, and I've been kind of... Yesterday I was in, like, a full-on depressive episode And I was, you know, looking up other writers and just reading about other people's self-doubt. And that always kind of really helps me um, to realize that it's just kind of part of the process. Uh, So I would love to know a little bit about your process and if you ever deal with self-doubt or procrastination and all of those things. Yeah, I mean, I deal with, like, a lot of self-doubt, particularly in stand-up. But um, I kind of have, like, distanced – I feel like I've distanced myself emotionally from stand-up because, like – I want to, I want to, like, write for television or even, like, write books or something, but kind of just, like, be a professional writer in some capacity, um, and with stand-up, it's, like, every time I go on stage, I really don't, I feel like I don't have the confidence to know that it's gonna go well, even if it's, like, I know the comic before we did well, and I feel like my jokes are as solid as they are, like, I still, like, there's just, like, never any guarantee, which makes it so nerve-wracking if, like, someone's coming to watch me, I'm, like, I really don't, there's, like, just no way I know that it'll be good, um, and then... Yeah, with writing, it's, like, it's very hard because I often, like, I really don't have a good, I'm not good at predicting which articles will get accepted, um, 
and there's stuff that I like just love that gets rejected and mm-hmm. then that also and then there's stuff I think is like not that great that's gotten accepted so I that also makes me feel like I need to just like pitch constantly kind of um but I think I'm getting I mean I, yeah I definitely do I will like fall into pits of self-doubt where I'm like what am I doing in my life like this I don't know but um I think I would have that in any field though I feel like I when I worked in tech I definitely felt like an imposter because I like I felt like I was supposed to know a lot more about, like, the sort of technical parts of it than I did. Um, yeah. And I also, like, wasn't working very hard. So, I don't know if it... For me, I don't know if it's, like, unique to comedy, but I definitely will, like, feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. Or if I, or have no I, reason to believe it's going to, like, go anywhere. And to go into things, like, optimistically. Like, I'm going to be a comedy writer, and it's going to work out. Instead yeah. of, like, I'm going to be a comedy writer, like, it might not work out, but, like... Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, you really have to be almost, like, blindly... Yeah. I am very blindly. I'm just like this. Well, I think for me, I'm like this is what I'm doing right now, and hopefully, I'll be doing it in a couple of years. But maybe I won't. I'm like that's okay. I think also with like television writing, it's like um, the seasons are so short now that it's like even if I got my first job, it would last like ten weeks, and I'm right. doing that like forever. Is there like a show that you would like love to write for? Yeah, I would love to. I love the show Spill. Have you seen that? I'm not. It's so good. It's on Showtime. Hannah, did you watch it? Mm-hmm. I think it's okay. I wasn't ex- I love the pilot. I wasn't ex- I was just talking about this with someone. I wasn't expecting it to go the way it went. Like the Run Lola Run episode. That You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like the same situation over and over with like a little bit different. Like to me that was just weird. But I was talking to someone who loved it. So... Yeah, it's, it's, like, weird. I mean, it, like, kind of feels, like, fantastical sometimes. Like, it, like, goes into her fantasies all the time. That's just one where I feel like it could be, like, my voice, kind of. I don't know what other shows I love right yeah. now. Yeah. I think you guys can tell me if you agree, but I think there's not that many shows for women right now on TV. Yeah. What what shows are you guys into? I just watched that show Sisters, which I'm obsessed oh, with, and I finished good. it. It was yeah, really was good. Good. What else am I into? I mean, I love Transparent, yeah. so I'm looking forward to that coming back. I recently watched the show Shit's Creek, S-C-H-I-T-T. It is so funny. I haven't binged a show that quick in so long. It was so funny. It's uh, Eugene Levy and his son created it, the guy from like uh, Best in Show, American Pie. It's basically like the idea of if the Kardashian, if that type of family, someone with that level of wealth, lost everything and so it's this really rich family that loses everything and has to like move to this like gross motel it is the funniest show it's kind of like the concept in like blue jasmine and then like arrested development just like the rich people becoming poor it's like yes it's like the family of arrested development losing all of their money like that mother It'd be the worst thing ever if you actually think about, like, how it would play out in any one, like, of our lives, I feel like. Um, So, listen, so I was, this is kind of out there in a way, but I was listening to Nikki Glaser's um, show the other day on, like, Sirius XM, and she said she read this book that changed her life. And I was like, okay. And she was, like, basically telling this guy, like, don't gawk at the title because it's really lame, but it's called Getting to I Do. And she said that Whitney Cummings, another comedian, like, recommended it. Totally changed her life. She got, like, a boyfriend within a couple weeks. Like, she followed these rules. So the other day, I'm, like, in bed. And I was like, all right, I'm going to buy it on my iPad. And it was written on in the 80s. And it basically explains that there's female energy and male energy. And males can have the female energy and women can have the male energy. But in order for two people to work together, they both have to have one or the other. Oh. 
primarily. So, like, you could have female masculine energy. And if I was a dude, I could have, like, male female energy. Yeah. And then, like, had me thinking about, like, gender roles and all of that. And I was like, as a funny, opinionated woman, do you think that's inherently masculine energy? Oh, that's a. Did Nikki Glazer say? No, I just. She didn't say what she was, and then I've Instagram messaged her once about something. So then I like DM'd her the other day, and I was like, "Which one? Which one are you?" (laughs) And she saw it. She didn't reply this time. But I was curious, like, what her and Whitney Cummings were because they're both super like you'd think they're more they're feminine, but they're masculine. I don't know. And I feel like I'm to like to me that makes it sound like it's black and white, and like I'm definitely not black and white. Like in certain parts of my life, I have definite masculine energy, and then with other aspects, like maybe with rom- in romantic relationships, I'm definitely feminine. But like with my job and my work, I'm definitely masculine. Right. I mean, the book's a little outdated, but it just makes you think about relationships in that way. And I also was agreeing. I agree with you, like that everyone has has both in them. But it's just, I guess, an an hypothesis on how to, like, match with someone. So I was thinking about funny girls and, like, being funny and, like, what that means. Because a lot of women who get, quote, unquote, saved by a man or whatever it may be usually don't really have an opinion. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's hard for, like, funny – I've had a hard time dating, like, funny men. I feel like I have an easier time with guys who don't, like, pride themselves on being funny. But I think that that's more, like, the male ego thing where Mm -hmm. it's, like – if a guy thinks of himself as the funny one, then he doesn't want to be, like, challenged, sort of. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I also... And I don't know if this is because I'm, like, around comedians all the time, but I don't really care if a guy is funny. Like, it's not... I feel like everyone always cites it as, like, a huge turn-on, but there, for me, there are many things, like, more important. So I don't know if that's, like, because I want, like, a matching or, like, contrasting kind of Right. Energy. That's what it's talking about, like, opposites attract yeah. and yeah. It's opposite energy. Right. To me, being funny as, like, a person versus being stand-up funny... Because I feel like stand-ups, like, usually, this is obviously a generalization, but they're not, like, funny in their, like, day-to-day. They're usually, like, a little bit more morbid and morose types of people who, like, they go on stage and they turn it on, you know, versus just kind of being an upbeat, funny-ish person. Yeah, like, just having, like, a, you know, more lighthearted personality. But I love when they're funny. Yeah, like if they can make me laugh, it doesn't happen often. But when it does, it's so fun. I went out with this guy recently who did make me laugh, but I wasn't sexually attracted to him. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Like, that's the worst. Like, it's so hard for me to be attracted to someone. I don't know what the hell it is. I don't know if it's like an intimacy thing. But then if I'm like attracted to someone, I'm so attracted to them. Yeah. And there's like no fucking in between. Are you going to go out with him again? Because attraction grows. That's what they say. I feel like I have to start being more mature about dating and be like yeah attraction grows um so (laughs) i've done the opposite thing like i always used to go for like comedy writer guys who are like you know nerdy skinny not uh objectively sexy um and then recently i've started going out with guys who are like more attractive and now that i've gotten to the point where i'm like actually physically attracted to these people i don't know that i can go back I, I get the, I mean, I used to, like, I think I have weird tastes, but I definitely used to date less attractive people because I was, like, more insecure, but I always would be like, oh, I'm not shallow, like, I like their personalities, but then at some point I did start dating more attractive people, and I was like, this is a lot better, like, the sex is better. But I, right, even, yeah. like, the people I think are attractive aren't, like, conventionally attractive. I, I still prefer, like, the skinny, nerdy comedy writer, but those guys are still more attractive than the guys, like, I used to date, like, mathematicians, so. See, I love the <laughs> idea of being, like the person in these guys lives that like 
they can't believe they got me. You know what I mean? Like when you go out with a hot guy, like they're hooking up with hot girls all the time. Like I want to be like the best thing that's like ever happened to these guys. Um, and I think that's why I go for like the nerdier ones. I want to be like a goddess in their world. But then they're the ones who break up with me and break my heart. So I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing is like, I feel like I, anytime I think a guy is really going to appreciate me, he is, like, a lot less appreciative than, like, the hotter guy. I don't know. I think it's because, like, I think it's just men project insecurities, like, so he's, like, trying to make, he doesn't want to make me feel good if, like, he doesn't feel good. I don't know. That is definitely true. Yeah. It's also, like, think they just flip it. Like, they'll get you because they'll be obsessed with you, but then once you're, like, oh, wow, I actually think I'm attracted to the person that I yeah. like them. Then they have, it's like a power dynamic thing. It really is, yeah. My friend just made me buy this book that's called, I didn't, I bought it, but I didn't get it yet. It's called Why Men Love Bitches. <laughs> and so she said her hairdresser was like raving about it. She's like, my friend's like, you need this. So I'm like, okay, we'll see. I'm just over it. Like I used to be that way. And now I'm just like, if I can't be real and honest and nice to you, like I'm just sick of the games. Yeah. Ditto. I, yeah. But there's so many rule books and shit. It's like out of control. Like this one book was actually from the 80s and it's from this like psychiatrist or a psychologist and she studied. And it's just like one school of thought. They're all just one school of thought. And you just like pick and choose random yeah. shit. But ultimately, like someone's going to like you or me or you like for ourselves and not because of some fucking rules. In theory. In theory. <laughs> I've yet to see that happen. Uh, so Ginny, so when you write like each of these pieces, how quickly do you write them? I it, it depends. I guess like I probably spend like uh, like two hours on the first draft, and then I come back to it like a few days later. Sometimes I do like a huge rewrite where the whole structure is changed, and that's probably like another two hours. Um, but sometimes it's just like tweaking. But I like I, I have my own website, Little Lady Comedy, and for those, I you guys should submit. Um, always looking for writers. Um, for those. Uh, it's probably like less than an hour because it's like it's my own and I can do whatever I want with it. But for like when I was like the New Yorker, it's like I probably felt like maybe like four or five hours on it. The first time the New York, the first time the New Yorker accepted you, were you like freaking out? Yeah, I really was. Yeah, and then it came out. The piece came out like four months later. I was like very uh, oh, fancy. Right. <laughs> I was checking my email so like every day for. I mean, it's my dream in life. It's literally my only goal in life. Yeah, I'm obsessed with. I mean, yeah, I need to start submitting more. In terms of, like, writing and ideas, like, they'll just come for you from, like, your own experiences mostly, or is it just, like, looking at pop culture or whatever and wanting to distill it? Yeah, a lot of them comes from, like, I feel like if I notice a pattern in conversation a lot, like, if it seems like everyone's talking about a certain thing or talking in a certain way, like, I, I like, make fun of that. And I always, I wish I, I wrote more about, like, pop culture or culture in general. Like, I wish it was, like, more based on the times and mm -hmm. kind of, like, you know, on the pulse of the moment or whatever, but I feel like I very rarely do that. Um, yeah, I think it's a lot of just, like, things that I notice that are, like, weird about, even, even like, my own thought patterns, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I don't know. Or, like, just, like, crazy things I do. Like, I, I mean, I wrote one that was called, like, What Your iPhone Charging Location Says About You, and that's just, like, because I charge my iPhone compulsively, even when I don't need to. It really does feel like a compulsion for me. Like, if yeah. there's an outlet, I, like, need to charge it. <laughs> So I just, like, wrote that about how, like, silly it is. And, and you see people do crazy stuff. Like, people are, like, you know, charging their iPhone, like, in yoga class when the whole point is to, like, be away from technology. And it's, like, what, yeah. But I do that, too. Like, I'm, like, making fun of it, but I do it, you know. 
When people keep put their phones out in front of them in the yoga class, yeah. I'm just like, what are you doing? I know. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess you have a really busy job and you need to read the email or, like, who knows what's going on in your life. So, like, who am I to judge? But it just, like, looks ridiculous from the outside looking in. Right, because it does feel like the whole point is to, like, get away from For technology. an hour. Yeah. For just an hour. Just an hour, yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not that serious. Yeah, yeah. It's wild, though. Are you addicted to your phone? Very much so, yeah. And I don't even really feel bad about it. It's just, like, it does feel really nice to be away from it for a little while. Like, even right now, if we're not touching our yeah, phones. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I also, like, at the same time, people try to phone shame me, like, when I'm, like, like at open mics and I'm on my phone, and I'm like, I don't feel guilty about it. Like, I'm often doing something somewhat productive on my phone, even if it's, like, tweeting or something. Right. Like, it's more productive than, like, you know, making small talk some of the time, you know, like, so I don't feel, I don't like to be phone shamed. I think it's like, you don't know what someone's doing on the phone, you know? Valid. But I also, I am addicted and it is nice to get away from it. Are you phone addicts? I'd say so, mm-hmm. but like I'm less and more and more, I'm like, I don't even, I don't, obviously I don't know what I'm searching for. Yeah. But like, I think it's just a bigger metaphor for my life. But um, my other question was, oh, how did your Twitter just grow? Like it grew organically just from tweeting? Yeah, I mean, I tweet a lot. Like it's. I would also say I'm addicted to that. Like, yeah. I'm, like, very compulsive. Um, and then in terms of followers, yeah, I mean, I, I follow a lot of people. Um, yeah, and then I also, like, anytime someone likes any of my tweets, I follow them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I notice that, the, and then uh, I, sometimes I'll go through and unfollow people who haven't followed me back, and I <laughs> will find myself following the same people over and over, but I'm like, whatever, if they're not going to, they can block me if they want, I don't care. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm pretty insane on Twitter, I would say. Yeah. But I love it. Hannah's cat just, like, jumped in front yeah. of the screen, so that was... What is your cat's name? Oh, this one's name is China. She's a monster. Do you have any pets? No, my sister has a cat, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I feel like Twitter is, like, the most useful tool for me, honestly. Like, sometimes yeah. I do, like, writing packets where it's, like, writing a bunch of monologue jokes, and if I use Twitter, I can, like, figure out the best ones, like, much faster. It's, right. like, faster than emailing it out to, like, friends and being, like, do you have time to take a look at this? Crowdsourcing. Yeah, like, crowdsourcing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, I, I like the last thing. I don't use Twitter, really, but I feel like I should get into it. What sort of comedy do you do? I write and direct, so I've made, like, a web series, a short film, that kind of stuff. Uh, I like to write essays, and I, in theory, like to write, like, humor pieces, kind of like what you do, but I haven't actually written one in a while, so I don't know if I can actually say I do that. Uh, but these days, mostly screenplays. What's your relationship with, like, alcohol and weed and like drugs um weed i don't really do but i'm honestly like i think i'm gonna try to get into it especially when i live in california um i well okay alcohol many uh you know feelings but like i i feel like i'll i drink a lot like it's easy for me to drink every night especially because i'm like out doing comedy and then i'll like quit drinking for like a month at a time i recently was like having stomach problems so i haven't been drinking really for the last like three months um and it hasn't really like made me happier like everyone like i was like kind of looking forward to it all like I knew it'd be hard but I was like well I'm gonna feel so good I'm gonna like be so restful blah 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 it's gonna be amazing um it hasn't made me happier because I think it's like I don't have a thing to look forward to like at the end of the day so I'm kind of trying to get into like a place where maybe I drink like twice a week or something um but I do have a problem I would say I don't have like a big problem with alcohol but it's definitely like a thing I want to work on sort of you know right um no I get that I feel like when I grew up, like, alcohol, like, my parents were like, don't drink, don't drink, you yeah. know, and they made me just want to, like, get fucking blasted. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was just more of, like, oh, I'm insecure, but I don't know it yet, really, in college. Yeah. 
And now I'm, like, pretty good with it. Like, I'll have my nights, but I'm not – I feel like shit if I drink. Like, even if I have three drinks, I kind of, like, off yeah. my game, and I can't be productive the next day. Yeah. But I guess, like, and as a comedian, yeah. you drink. Especially, like, I feel like I've also gone through phases where I'm on so many prescription drugs that I don't have hangovers. Like, it's like if I'm drinking and then I take a sleeping pill. <laughs> I mean, this sounds crazy, but I only did this, like, a year, but, like, if I drink and then I take something, I fall asleep, and then I take like, Adderall. Like, I don't really right. feel the hangover because I feel yeah. – um, but, uh, now I'm, like, not really on it, although I guess I just restarted Zoloft, but, like, Zoloft makes your hangovers worse, basically, so I don't think I'm, like... That's what I hear. I've been on it for so long that I don't even know. I actually just re-upped my meds, but, um, I guess I'm never a big drinker, but I hear it makes hangovers worse. I didn't know that. And you can get drunk faster, so if you drink the same amount, you'll be, like, more... I thought I was just getting, like, really thin and had, like, a really light tolerance, you know? Guess not. <laughs> Yeah, it does make your tolerance lower, which I kind of am looking forward to. I mean, that's bad, but, right. <laughs> but I'm like, I, I would be happy if I could have one drink and feel, like, buzzed for, like, an hour or so. You know, like, yeah. that'd be nice. Like, yeah, I think if I were someone who really did drink, like, one or two drinks a night, I would be fine drinking every day, but it's, like, very easy for it to be, like, three or four for me. Yeah, and one or two drinks usually just makes you tired, whereas, like, you need right. three to, like, cross the threshold. Into fun, like, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. But it's hard, like, I haven't been going to parties that much, like, it's been, I haven't been dating, like, I mean, I'm still doing comedy, but it, comedy's way more boring without it, like, it's, it's only been, like, a, a very hard transition. What's your social, is your social life, like, not, not popping off? No, I mean, I, like, see my friends a lot, yeah. like, I just don't, like, I, I feel like in, like, the New York comedy scene, like, you know, every weekend someone's having, like, a birthday at a bar, and it always starts late, because everyone's doing comedy till like, 11 p.m., mm -hmm. and I'm definitely not, like, I mean, I'm not a night person anyway, but without drinking, I'm definitely not staying out until, like, 2. Right. Like, that's, like, very boring to me. Um, so, I don't feel like my, so I definitely don't feel like I'm, like, reclusive. Like, I see, I see my friends a lot, but, um. Yeah, I'm not, like, I'm not in one of my wild phases. And I think I might not get back in. I feel like yeah. maybe I'm getting too old to right. have a new wild phase. But maybe I'm not. Too, but who knows? I'm, yeah, like, 45. Yeah, exactly. Like, just, like fucking... Why, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Uh, maybe I'll be divorced later and need to, like, right. yeah. buy a car mm -hmm. or, like, do some cocaine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something. And then I don't, I don't really smoke weed. I smoke a lot of weed. I'm really into CBD also now, but weed is great. I'm not a big drinker, not big on going out. I'm trying to be more social lately because I'm told that's something that's important. Uh, but no, I don't. I don't drink a lot at all. Lately, like a glass of wine, and I'm like good. I'm like good. Um, and it's honestly like I just don't like the f when I'm when you're like out at a bar and drinking a lot, and you don't like realize how drunk you are. That's one thing, but. Then when I go home, and I just don't like the feeling of being drunk. Like, when you're, like, home and alone, when you get home, and you're like, shit. Like, I feel like hell. Um, and I don't like the taste of alcohol, or most tastes of alcohol. Um, but, like, beer and wine, I can do. So, alcohol's never really been a problem for me, although I'm trying to get more into it. I'm trying to drink more. Uh, I just feel like if I really push myself to, like, the edge of sanity, where, you know, I'm, like... I just think the creative juices are going to, like, start flowing. Um, so lately, I'm, like, it's, like, 3 p.m., and I'm, like, should I have a glass of wine? Like, maybe. Um, but then I just up my Xanax, so it could have just been because of my, you know. It really airs more into, like, doing psychedelics, like, thinking about increasing your your creativity, I yeah. feel like. Though it depends. Like, you know, writers drink a lot, but whenever I don't, I've never written anything when I'm Drunk. Yeah, I've heard that weed and Adderall is a good mix for writing. Mm -hmm. 
I've never done it, but yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I would try that, I think. I don't like to smoke weed, though, so I need to take it. That's why I'm excited to live in California, where I can get, like, a tincture or something, or, like, yeah. tea or whatever. Weed is good for me when, well, I tend to do it at night. I don't usually work on it, but um, I'm recently learning about the different kinds of weed, and there's ones that tend to, like, make you more creative and focused, and I'll get ideas when I'm high. And then I'll, like, take those ideas and then write them soberly the next day. Like, I can't really actually do work when I'm not fully sober. And I think that's another reason why I don't like to go out is because, like, if I go out, if I'm out past 10, then my writing the next day is, like, shot. Like, I, I can't get as good of work done. Like, I need to be very sober, not tired at all in order to uh, get decent writing done. So it's really, it doesn't go well with the social life, which is frustrating. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. And then if I'm, like, tired, I take an Adderall, which I, like, don't really like. But it's been, yeah, when I'm, like, well-rested, it's, like, very nice. Wait, so when are you moving to LA? I think mid-February. That's my plan. You're just going to go. I'm just going to go. I don't have a, I don't have any more plans than that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really have anything tying me to New York, either. Like, I'm single. Yeah. I don't have an apartment. Right. <laughs> Crashing in my parents' apartment. And, uh, I don't know. I feel, I feel like I could just take off. Do you like living home? Um, I lived home for one point at like for like two years and just wrote full time. Um, I know Jillian's done similar things at certain points. Like, do you like living home? Do you feel like embarrassed to tell people that you live home? Like, kind of, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm like I'm, I'm not embarrassed to tell people, um, and I like it and I appreciate what you can get done with it. Like, I have gotten so much more done without having to work and pay rent, um, but. Uh, there are things about it I really don't like. It's like, I do feel like it's, it is preventing me from being like an actualized adult, you know? And I'm like, okay, it's worth it for right now because I'm being creative and being productive and getting stuff done. But like, I do feel like it is also hindering my like maturity, which I don't think it would for everyone. I think just for me personally, I'm like, I don't know. I, I feel like I need to, um, and I've also like lived on my own, like for many, not many, I feel like for three years before this. So I do feel like it's time, but I don't regret it at all. Like it's been really great. Yeah, no, I didn't mean it in a judgmental way at all. I loved it. And I did the same thing. I, like, lived on my own, had a job, all that, and then moved home. And I agree. It's like you definitely can't mature as an adult and a person, but you get so much work done that it's so nice. And my parents aren't really here that much. Like, I, I do bring guys over here and stuff, but I think they think it's weird. <laughs> and I'm like, it's kind of weird. Like, I get it. But, um, yeah, it definitely, like, I, you know, like, I know people – I, no, I don't feel embarrassed to tell people. I think I'm, like, pretty honest about, like, the ways in which I'm not, like, a, a real adult. Like, I, I almost, it's like, I feel like it's one of the less embarrassing things about me, you know? Like, I don't know. It's nice that you're in the city. Like, I was living home in New Jersey, so I was much more isolated. Right. That's really hard. Yeah. I loved it. I want to move home so badly. <laughs> no. No. I just feel like I'm almost 29. It's like, can't go back to New Jersey, but, um, I want to, I want to, like, not have to worry about paying my bills and making myself dinner, that's why I need a boyfriend. <laughs> All right, well, thank you. Oh, yeah, thank you. This is so fun. Show. Yeah. Everyone, go check out Jenny's stuff, she's really funny, and she has this new book coming out in a year or so. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Jenny. Yeah, thank you. Awesome.
All right, well, we hope you liked our interview with Ginny Hogan. And uh, we should have more interviews coming up soon. And probably another episode with me and Hannah uh, just shooting the shit like we have done in the past. All right, so we will see you soon. Thank you. Thank you.